Welcome to the Social Insight Show, sharing social media industry perspectives. And now, here's your host, Jeff DeHaven. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Social Insights Podcast Show. We are excited for what we have in store today. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Social Mitten, Michigan's largest social media conference, and you'll hear more about that later on in the program. So today we're sitting down with attorney Howard Collins. Howard, how are you? Good. I'm great. Thanks <laughs> right. for having me this morning. Yeah, thanks for thanks for being here. Um, so we're excited to talk about something that's just on the cutting edge, something that uh, you're involved with and, and making it come to fruition. So tell us first about yourself and the law firm. Sure. Uh, my name is Howard Collins. I'm an attorney. Uh, my law firm is called Galloway & Collins. We're in Huntington Woods, uh, right on Woodward, and, and, and we straddle the border between Huntington Woods and Royal Oak. Mm-hmm. Uh, our practice focuses on estate planning, State okay. administration, elder law, and real estate work. All right. I've been an attorney for a little over 20 years, and we've had our firm for over 13. Okay, great. And so tell us a little bit about today, you know, what, what does social media and, and law have to do together? So today we're sitting down to talk about something that's, that's a new law that you were involved in. Tell us about that involvement, and then we can go into what that law is. Sure. Um, so uh, the... the focus of this is fiduciary access to digital assets and uh, I became interested in this topic mm-hmm. um, uh, several years ago as an end user, okay. right? <laughs> a person who loves social media. Uh, you know, I was involved in Facebook and Twitter and, and uh, but I was also a probate attorney okay. and so I saw sort of a gap between mm-hmm. you know, people who use social media and people who would potentially become incapacitated or die, mm-hmm. and how to bridge that gap wasn't covered in the law. Right. And so um, the law, unfortunately, isn't always proactive, it's mostly reactive. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we saw the gap and said, we got to fill this to make sure that we solve the problems that our clients are going to increasingly have which is that they'll have these digital things, mm-hmm. but then their family or someone who cares about them won't be able to access it. Right. Yeah. Okay, and so your involvement started with an association that you're a part of? Yeah, so I uh, got involved through uh, the probate and estate planning section of the State Bar of Michigan. Okay. Uh, I'm, I served on a committee that's uh, the Legislation Development and Drafting Committee, um, I'm also a member of the elders section, the elder law and disability rights section mm-hmm. of the state bar. Okay. And so um, my involvement in those two areas allowed me to um, work with other attorneys to come up with the concept for legislation uh, and advocate for the passage of what has recently passed. All right, so the law is, is coming in June. Tell us about that and, and what that means and what it's te- uh, technically called and all of that. For sure. So uh, Governor Snyder recently signed legislation. Uh, it was introduced by uh, Representative Anthony Forlini uh, this year, or I guess it was last year. Um, the law is called Fiduciary Access to Digital Assets. So let's break down what that means. Yeah. Uh, so... Let's talk about what a fiduciary is first. Mm -hmm. So a fiduciary is a person who's appointed for another to act on the principal's behalf. So think about um, a 
power of attorney, mm-hmm. an agent under a power of attorney, mm-hmm. uh, a conservator who's appointed by the court to act on behalf of someone else for their financial matters, a guardian appointed to make sure the person's welfare is maintained, okay. appointment through the court, mm-hmm. um, a personal representative who's appointed to manage a decedent estate after someone's died, mm-hmm. but that's an appointment through the court, mm-hmm. um, a trustee under a trust, uh, whether it's the initial trustee who set up the trust or a successor trustee after the original trustee is becoming incapacitated or died. So those are examples of fiduciaries. So now we're talking about access, right? Yeah. And, well, and let's go to the end first. We, <laughs> a lot of the people who I assume are listening to this will understand what digital assets are, but for those who don't, let's maybe explore them for a second. Yeah. So digital assets could be everything from social media, right? Your Facebook account, your Twitter account, Instagram. Um, the, the, the next thing that we haven't even figured out <laughs> what it is yet, right? right? Online. Um, but it also could be uh, a digital asset like uh, online access to your bank account. Okay. Right? I mean, less and less of us are receiving um, paper statements in the mail, mm-hmm. right? All of our investment information is just an online access. Um, things like uh, money-making blogs. Okay. Right? Yeah. Uh, things like website design that might be stored in the cloud. Uh, someone's photographs, mm. right? Think about how we take photographs, a lot of us now. We take them on our phone. Right. We don't usually... now can- no one has a camera anymore. <laughs> right. I mean, we may not print them. Less, right. and, no. less and less of us do. And, you know, that, that, as I like to say, the, the shoebox full of pictures doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. It's, it's, this generation and going forward, we're going to not have a shoebox of pictures to pass on. Where are they? They're all up in the cloud. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, when that person becomes incapacitated or dies, those pictures are locked up in the cloud and we need to have a way to allow someone Excuse acting me. on their behalf to get to those photos. Okay. Um, so it has both sort of a sentimental piece mm-hmm. and it also has a, an economic piece potentially as well. Let, let's be clear what digital assets are not. So think about the online banking, mm-hmm. right? So the, the um, bank account itself, the physical money in the bank, or it's not even physical money, it's zeros and ones too, <laughs> but, but, but what that represents, the yeah. actual cash in the bank, that's not what we're talking about. So fiduciary access to digital assets does not give someone a better right to the money in the bank. Mm-hmm. It gives them right to learn about what's going on with the money in the bank. Okay. They could also be things like, um, you know, affinity accounts, right? We all access sort of the, the miles and the hotel points and that sort of stuff. More and more of us online, right? Mm-hmm. So those, those kinds of things of what we're talking about, digital assets. So it's the connecting of those two things, fiduciaries, digital assets. We've got to make it so that um, either a, a person wants to set up a clear path so that the fiduciary can get access, or perhaps it's something different. It's that they want to not allow the fiduciary or anyone else for that matter right. to access the information upon incapacity or death. Okay, and are we one of the first states to put this in place, or one of the leading? Yes, so um, let's give a little history on sort of the, how the, this transpired. So yes, yeah. um, several years ago, uh, there were people that started thinking about this topic. Actually, one of my um, heroes in this area, I'll give him a, a shout, is uh, um, Ev Carroll. Ev did some talking at South by Southwest. Okay. Um, he wrote a book called Your Digital Afterlife. He 
um, made us start thinking about this topic in a true way. Mm -hmm. And like, this is coming and people aren't dealing with it and we've got to start dealing with it. So uh, myself and a few other attorneys, we started thinking about this. But then on a national level, uh, the Uniform Law Commission uh, said this is an area that we need to focus on. Uniform Law Commission, for those not familiar, is a group of professionals, attorneys, primarily that get together and develop uniform laws uh, that can then get promulgated throughout the country. Think about the Uniform Commercial Code, mm. uniform, in my realm, the Uniform Probate Code, or the Uniform Trust Code. So the Uniform Law Commission develops these uniform laws and acts and, and then hopes that the different states throughout the country will enact them. And the point of it is that they want uniformity across the country so that you're not dealing with a, a uneven patchwork of law. Um, so the Uniform Law Commission developed a committee that focused on putting together a fiduciary access to digital assets law. And um, as it started rolling out through the country, it became clear that the people representing the end users like myself and other attorneys mm -hmm. and the vision of the digital custodians like Google, Yahoo, AOL, um, those visions of the different parties were not a common vision. <laughs> I bet. Um, so, um, you know, there was a first approach to this that was uh, not successful. There was a, and, and the second approach, though, was a, really a, a, a product of compromise between the parties. And we've now reached a place in the development of the language of the law that the Uniform Act is now. Um, starting to pass throughout the country. So your initial question was, are we the first? No, we're with, I think we were number seven. Okay. Uh, we were in the first dozen, for right. sure. First, and with top 10, for sure, um, <laughs> of the number of Which is cool. States. Yeah, I mean, we were early on in this. Uh -huh. And, and um, but the, the, the laws that are starting to pass now in the different states are based on the, the revised Uniform Fiduciary Access to Digital Assets Act that was promulgated by the Uniform Law Commission. The, the law that's now going to come into Michigan in June mm -hmm. is specific to Michigan though. So there are some, it is based on the Uniform Act, but there are some Michigan specific things that we um, included and that, that was incorporated into the law. Um, in Michigan we have what's called special fiduciaries uh, and those are appointed sort of in a stopgap way uh, to help in, in, in the probate process, mm -hmm. um, that doesn't exist nationally. We okay. have, you know, we have we've included um, uh, specific things in Michigan probate law that's you know more tailored to us and what we like in our state, and so that's important to, to know as well. All right. So, what does this mean for states that currently don't have this passed? Like, for example, you know, I have my photos saved on iCloud, and that data is stored stored in a state that maybe doesn't have this law in place yet. So, what? How would sure. that work for so, Michigan being protected, but my data being elsewhere? Yeah. So, Michigan law for probate law would cover you because you're a Michigan resident. You're living here. Okay. If you become incapacitated here in Michigan, uh -huh. or if your death occurs in Michigan then uh, the Michigan fiduciary access to digital assets to what's going to control. Okay. Uh, the law is actually an interesting interplay of a, a couple problems that have come together. So we talked about the fact that there's this probate aspect to what the law is trying to solve. The other part, and this is sort of the industry 
portion that they were most concerned about was that the, the federal law um, covers some standards that the digital custodians have to meet as far as who can receive digital assets, right? So there's limitations imposed by the federal laws, privacy laws, that the digital custodians were concerned that they might be violating. And so the fiduciary access to digital assets law is intended actually to bridge that gap and that problem as well. Okay. And so um, upon a person's incapacity in Michigan, even if their stuff is stored in the cloud governed by a company that isn't based in Michigan, your agent will be able to, your fiduciary will be able to access them. If you've done the things that are proper for planning. Mm -hmm. So, and this is actually an important part of this because this is how like the rubber meets the road right, on right. the law, right? So the, 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 the way that it will work under the, current, under the new law is uh, that if a person has set up an online tool, uh, responded to an online tool, uh, then that's going to control. Let's figure out what an online tool is, right? Mm -hmm. So think about uh, Google Inactive Account Manager, right? The Google Inactive Account Manager allows you to identify someone else who's going to act for you if Google figures out that you aren't using your account anymore and they can't get a hold of you, right? Mm -hmm. You'll set up, and I don't know if you've set up a Google Inactive Account Manager yet, but if you have, it'll ask you things like, um, give me a, give Google an email that they can send a ping out to you. Give a cell number that they can send a ping out to you. If you don't respond to those pings, then they're going to, in a certain period of time that you set up has passed, then they're going to uh, switch things over to your person that you've identified online. Okay. Okay? And that person will have the ability, depending on how you've set it up, to manage your online stuff. <laughs> that takes primacy in the, under this new law. So if a person has filled out an, an online tool and set that up, that's going to control. Um, currently, I think those are pretty limited about the companies that offer that approach. I'm sure it will proliferate once this law gets uh, enacted in more places and more people will be covered by this approach. Mm -hmm. um, right now, the prime ones are Google and Facebook that offer these things. Okay. Um, if you haven't set up an online tool, then uh, a person's uh, access will be governed by whether they've done something in writing or not. Okay. Have they set up a power of attorney? Have they set up a will or a trust? If the answer is no to those questions, then what happens in the probate realm is that a conservator or a guardian would need to be established through the probate court. Those are fiduciaries that get set up because a person hasn't done written planning or effective written planning, and the court needs to step in to give someone else access or to, their, to their assets, to control of their existence on some level. I mean, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but just, you know, someone who manages where they're living, uh, their health, those kinds of things, mm -hmm. um, if they can't do it themselves. But this would also include access to information about their digital assets under the new law. And so, uh, but it's limited. Under the guardian and conservator setting, uh, the, the access will be much more limited. Let's talk about what that means. So uh, the law sets up two 
kinds of information that a fiduciary can access. Uh, catalog and content. Hmm. Catalog, let's think about this, it's easiest probably in the context of an email. So catalog is the from and the to and the date that it was sent. Okay. That's the catalog. Mm -hmm. It's not the subject line. It's not the content of the email that you've typed in. Mm -hmm. Right? From, to, date. That's it. Hmm. Think about how limited that is. Right. Pretty yeah. limited. Very. Right? Um, the content is the good stuff. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's the subject line. It's the, the body. body. Right. But if a person hasn't done anything in writing, the conservator is going to be limited to the catalog, which could be useful think about it this way if i'm getting emails from my bank saying here's your monthly statement here's your monthly statement here's your monthly statement but i haven't done any written planning and, and i need a conservator then my conservator is going to look through my the, the access to the catalog and say oh there was emails going back between you know abc bank and howard no i better contact abc bank because there's a lot of activity here we'll have to figure out what that really is and then they'll have to you know make a phone call or go into the, a brick and mortar bank and say, you know, I'm the conservator, here's my letters of conservatorship, uh, what's going on here, right? So it'll at least um, help in the hunt for information. Point them in the right direction, right? yeah. But if I want my fiduciary to actually be able to get to the good stuff, the, the content, not just the catalog, I have to give, uh, take that extra step of doing a written planning. So if I become incapacitated, and I've granted you agency under my power of attorney, mm -hmm. And I say in my power of attorney that you, as my agent, are authorized to access my content, then that opens the whole thing up, right? Or it should. Right. And, and there's, the law sets up a process whereby the fiduciary needs to provide certain information to the digital custodian. And once the digital custodian can understand that the fiduciary is, in fact, a properly acting fiduciary and that uh, the end user is really you know connected to the account because if you think about it uh, a lot of times people set up their email or their online access you know abc123 and it has no real connection on a one-to-one -one level between your name and that account name mm -hmm. right so right. you got to bridge that gap as well um so the um assuming that it can be understood by the digital custodian and they recognize that the access has been granted in the document, then that should open up that door up so that the fiduciary can then see the content. And there's a description about timeline for that happening and what happens if that's not successful, uh, going into court and requiring court involvement, uh, either by the digital custodian asking for a court order or the, um, the fiduciary not being successful and having to enforce their rights under the act, mm -hmm. um, then you know that those are the ways that I suspect that this area will end up in litigation. And like any law, though there will be litigation. My hope is that the great majority of the transactions that involve fiduciary access to digital assets will just be transactional. They, they're not going to involve court. Uh, at all, but the reality of it is, there will be places where it will be complicated, and like any new law, it will have to be figured out.
Want to keep ahead of your competitors? Need to master a social platform? Struggling to measure your ROI? Discover how to improve your social media marketing at Social Mitten 2016, brought to you by Social Media Club Great Lakes Bay. Meet nationally recognized industry leaders, experience expert-led sessions, soak up countless tips, new strategies, and enjoy extensive networking opportunities. Taking place at the innovative and leading University of Michigan, don't miss the largest social media conference in the Midwest by securing your ticket today at socialmitten.com. What does this mean for the everyday users? I know you talked about, you know, you know, some of the tools and steps you can take with Google as well as Facebook um, or, you know, writing things down in that aspect. You know, what should people do that are listening to this, that are being aware of this law coming up in June? You know, what steps should they take from here? Yeah, so this is probably the most important part, right? Right. Um, And and, uh, as I like to say, this law rewards those who plan and punishes those who don't. And what do I mean by that? Uh, you know, having something in writing is going to be critical here. Uh, making sure that it's explicit uh, how much access you want to grant to your fiduciary in any of these contexts, whether it's saying your power of attorney, your will, your trust. Um, you know, do you want access to catalog only? Do you want access to content as well? Do you want the accounts to be um, maintained or enhanced or archived or deleted? You know, sort of. So there's a lot of possibilities, uh, and they probably need to be considered and addressed. And you may not want to have the same person as the digital custodian, or excuse me, the fiduciary for different areas of your assets online. Mm -hmm. Um, So it opens up that thing as well. Um, But you need to have something in writing to make sure that that's been clear. If you think about something that's perhaps more sensitive, you know, you might have someone wanting, uh, you want, want to have a person who has access to your social stuff different than maybe your sensitive private stuff or your financial access online. Hmm. I mean, those could be very different people depending on what it is that those digital assets are. Um, there is also a trap for the unwary in this law that's a big one, um, and we already sort of covered it, which is if a person completes an online tool, I told you that that's going to control in the, the first instance. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, I suspect what could happen is that people will set up an online tool, forget that they've set that, forgotten that they've set it up, mm-hmm. go and make a very extensive plan in, in their estate documents, which says something very different than what the online tool says. Mm-hmm. They become incapacitated or die, and then the online tool controls, and that's not what they really wanted. Right. So it's you know it, it's going to have to be a careful discussion between the attorney and the, the person planning, have you in fact completed an online tool? And um, unfortunately, I think the, the reality is that's going to cause some uh, inconsistencies between people's intent and what actually happens. But the, the critical part in, in this whole what should we do, you, you've got to do some planning. And ideally, you do some written planning. Mm-hmm. Um, that Especially if you're not the most tech savvy. Right, and, and this hits people of all ages, right? So people who are quite young. I mean, a person in Michigan who's 18 can put a, an estate plan together. Um, you know, so there are people who are out there, as you know, from you know, sort of how this, this you know, area of the 
world works, there are people who are quite young who are doing incredible things. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and storing stuff online. I mean, think about people who are doing all sorts of writing and development of content, and, but storing it up in the cloud, and that person becomes incapacitated, mm -hmm. and that stuff is locked away and not easily accessible. Because they can only, if they haven't done any planning, catalog only. Right. Right? Yeah. So it's going it, to, it's really important to do planning on this. Okay. So now, so, you know, putting something in writing is the first step. And then from there, utilizing some of these tools that Google and Facebook has in, in, in place. But with technology, I mean, it's, it rapidly changes. You know, like you said, there's new platforms that can come out that we're not even thinking about at this point. You know, how would this continue to update or how would us as users continue to update? Will we just, you know, if we jump on Snapchat, will we then add that to the written document that we have and, yeah, and so, so the on? Document, the document, it depends on sort of the, the level of um, concern over the different platform, right? I mean, you might want to be very specific. Uh, you know, if you had, I don't know, uh, racy content that you were storing online that you only wanted certain people access to uh, with only a particular fiduciary, mm -hmm. then you would want to be really explicit. But if you had just general content and you didn't care, you wanted your the per, same person who was your agent under your power of attorney and your general trustee and, and personal representative to be able to access all that stuff, then it's it's probably okay to have a more general statement. I give you know such and such person person the ability to access both content and catalog and with full range of ability to do what they see in my best interest with that content and catalog okay so with updating is it just adding to when yeah I mean, or just like you know would you recommend a certain every year kind of refreshing and looking back at or well and that's a general estate planning concept i mean if a person sets up an estate plan what i typically recommend to them mm -hmm. is that they should pull their estate plan out once a year at least okay review it make sure nothing substantial has changed mm -hmm. you know are, is their intent different today than it was a year ago right and maybe every few years sit down with the attorney that drafted it. Um, you know, I mean, I think that the, the overall concepts of how an estate plan works don't change just because we now have this additional area that we can approach in our estate planning. Um, yeah, I mean, if, but, if, but if the intent changes with respect to who's going to be able to have access or who's going to be able to receive and manage, then that needs to get updated. Um, let me make another comment about sort of, you know, the idea of doing this yourself. Right. Right, because everyone thinks, oh, well, I'll just pull down the form and it'll be fine. Here's the challenge, and I, I, I share this just because I do both planning side and the administration side, and we deal with litigation in our firm. Mm -hmm. um, some of the most expensive cases on the litigation side have developed because people thought they should save money on the front side and do it themselves. Right. Yeah. So there is a real advantage for having an attorney involved. It's no different than any person who has particular knowledge, right? I mean, I I would um, make a huge mistake if I decided I was going to develop my own website. I would surely not do well. Mm -hmm. And the learning curve is steep, as you know, to put something like that together. Yeah. yeah. It's no different than putting a, a, an estate plan together. You to turn the table decided you were going to put your estate plan together. You might be able to succeed at it, but it would take a lot of work, and maybe you wouldn't do the best job the first time through. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, you know, so it's important to for the people understand that 
um, it's possible they'll get forms downloaded and all that, but it comes with risk. Right. Okay. So as we kind of close this discussion, I mean, it's very interesting and, and, and uh, I'm excited to kind of see where it goes from here, but is there anything that maybe I left out that you want to uh, pass along to listeners? No, I think, I mean, the, the exciting thing about this fiduciary access to digital assets law is that it's solving what effectively was a 20th century problem in the 21st century. And now that we've got uh, the ability to work with it, we'll have to see how it goes. I mean, it's it's brand new. Yeah. And we're going to have to really experiment with what is possible and what the challenges are. Um, I am certainly interested in learning about people's experiences with utilizing this, um, both good and poor. I mean, because the only way that we're going to make this better is to figure out what contours of the law work well and where we still need to focus our attention. Um, because this is a brand new area, we're not fully sure yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's an exciting opportunity for, for you know, practitioners um, to make sure that we're better serving our clients, but also to find the places where it's not working quite right yet and, and go back and uh, engage in, in refitting law to, to the purposes it was hopefully intended to serve. Okay. And as the you know, news is coming out and this is development and so on, what's the best resources? Your website, I assume? Your Facebook page? Would you yeah, pass for those sure. I mean, addresses have, along? In terms of my personal firm, we, <laughs> we have, uh, I mean, there, we, we are active on Facebook and we have a really informative website, I think. And I, if people have questions, uh, feel free to contact me either online or by phone and, and I'd be happy to, to talk to anyone who's interested. Okay, great. And what, and what is your website? Uh, GallowayCollins.com, G-A-L-L-O-W-A-Y-C-O-L-L-E-N-S.com. All right, perfect. Well, Howard, I thank you so much for your time today and and talking about this topic. Very interesting, and I appreciate your insights, and I'm sure our listeners do as well. Jeff, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. If you like what you hear today, please leave us a a review on iTunes. We would certainly appreciate that. For more information about this show and other shows, head over to jeffdehaven.com, powered by Blue Thumb. Uh, And we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Thank you so much. This podcast is a production of Blue Thumb Digital. For more useful information, head over to bluethumbdigital.com.